What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Arnie's. We honestly have nothing better to do than be here with you. I'm Austin Terry, and I'm joined, as always, by my best friends and my co-host, Matt Johnson and Keith Baker. Matt, how's it going? Doing pretty good. You know, we started this podcast a few weeks ago talking about Zack Snyder's incorrect, probably the, the best films I've ever seen in the DC Extended Universe. And now we're doing it again with the different franchise. Wow. Look at us. Look at us go. Keith, it's always good to see you. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Good to be back. Glad we're talking about Star Wars. I'm excited. Yeah, you're our resident Star Wars ex- expert. So, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say expert, but big you'll fan. get to answer all our questions. Shoot them away. I'll answer. All righty. Well, as we just mentioned, um, here on the Arnie's, you know, we're always trying to come up with that fresh new content that's you know trending on social media. So we thought, hey, why not talk about a movie from 1977? Nice. Today we are starting the, the first episode in our bi-weekly series on the Star Wars franchise. We'll be jumping into the film that started it all. The Phantom Menace. So. <laughs> episode four, A New Hope. Matt, any thoughts before we get into this film? Not really. Um, <clears throat> obviously, I think all three of us have a long-lasting relationship with Star Wars. Remember, I first saw it, I must have been like three years old or something, and it was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen. I remember my dad showing them to me, and I watched them constantly on loop in my house. And then, you know, as the prequels came out, I thought they were the most amazing thing I had ever seen. And then I got older, and I was like, maybe they're not so good. Then the new movies came out, and I didn't like them. So I don't know if I really care about this franchise anymore. (laughs) And all I'll say just to get into it is, Man, watching it this time, really wish Mark Hamill would have taken an acting lesson. All righty. Well, yeah, Keith, why don't you go ahead and uh, just kind of tell me about your relationship with the franchise? Because as we said earlier, you are kind of the biggest fan of the three of us, I think. Uh, yeah, similar to Matt, my dad showed me the original trilogy, I guess, whenever I was, I guess, four or five years old, uh, maybe a little older. Uh, so yeah, watched New Hope and then watched that one in order, so New Hope, Empire, and then Return of the Jedi. Yeah, became a big fan, bought all the action figures, all the Legos, played all the games, almost all the games. Yeah, I... Uh... I know I watched episodes five and six with my dad, but my dad was never a huge Star Wars fan. But my uncle's a huge, his his brother is a huge Star Wars fan. So I think I originally watched it with him and my dad. But this movie specifically, I saw snips of it in like the back room of a guitar center when I was shopping for, <laughs> and had to go find a used saxophone. And for some reason, the owner of a guitar center had, a new hope on in the back room and that's where i watched it while my mom uh like haggled on the price for a used saxophone which honestly after rewatching it for this i think watching it in the back room of a guitar center is a much more enjoyable experience <laughs> i'm gonna say probably at least you can listen to like good music in the background maybe whereas here you you get the john williams score of course but everything else guys i mean let's just talk about it i mean this movie is one of the most important movies of all time, no doubt. 
the structure of it, utilizing the hero's journey, starting so many cliches that we see today. Great. You can't blame Star Wars as it started at all. <sighs> that being said, watching it this time, guys, I don't know if I've been... We're in quarantine, and I was bored watching this. <laughs> I had nothing better to do than watch this movie, and I wish I hadn't. <laughs> it was so boring. Um, well, I, we'll get into the good stuff, but that's just that's just my initial my initial reaction to finishing this. Yeah, here um, I guess we can. Everyone knows, but let's just run through the cast. I guess this this film kind of launched the careers of a lot of really big time actors. But you have Mark Hamill uh, as Luke Skywalker, Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia, um, Peter Cushing as Grand Marth Tarkin, and uh, Alec Guinness as Obi-Wan, and James Earl Jones as Darth Vader. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely did. Harrison Ford's one of the biggest stars of all time. Um, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill certainly stayed relevant in their own way. Uh, Carrie Fisher with writing and, you know, being in a lot of movies and TV still, and then Mark Hamill with playing the Joker for so many years. But yeah, I feel like, I know there's so many cool behind the scenes stories. The only one I ever remember is that Harrison Ford was the guy that like was in the room, like reading the scripts with the actors as they auditioned. And then they were, they couldn't find anybody. And then they were just like, maybe you can do it. You've been reading it. You're familiar with it. So I know that one, but the other ones, I don't really know if there's anything special about their casting process. I just, it, it seems like this was everybody's first movie <laughs> they had ever been in. And maybe it was. I don't even know. But it certainly feels that way. Um, even Harrison Ford wasn't as good as I remember. <laughs> like, I like his voice, obviously, and I like the character. But the performance was was weird. <laughs> like, Mark Hamill, dude, was he, like, 16 when they made this? Because he, he is such a whiny little brat in this movie. That's a good point, because everybody complains about Hayden Christensen in the prequels, who, if you've seen him in other movies, he's a good actor, but he just got, you know, just stuck with so much bad writing in the prequels. But honestly, watching this movie again, the, the original, I kind of feel like either Hayden Christensen or George Lucas just decided, I'm just going to act like Luke does, because I'm his father, so it's like supposed to be similar, I guess. But, oh, my, everybody gives Anakin so much shit for being such a whiny little kid and so, like, just annoying. But Luke is just <laughs> as bad. I gotta go into town and get some power converters. I'm never gonna get off this planet. <laughs> <laughs> can I go to... Can I go to the Academy now? I don't want to help you with your harvest. I'm supposed to see Biggs. <laughs> yeah, he, he wants to go see his friend Biggs, which is really cool. But then we meet Biggs later, and he's like 50. <laughs> so it's like, he's like, how you doing, Luke? Like, this guy has arthritis in his whole body. And like, I mean, I guess Luke's only friends on Tatooine are old people, like Ben Kenobi, Biggs, who's 59 years old, I think. Um, it also seems like he I mean, is. I don't know. It also seems like he is the only kid on Tatooine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think he's the only kid there, and he might be 14 years old. I'm not sure, but based on the way he acts, he might be like 14. I don't know, but you're not. I'm not a big fan of Luke Skywalker yet. Maybe we'll maybe we'll warm up to him in the next one. <laughs> um, okay, but so before oh. we actually get into the actual film, I do want to say because I didn't know this, but. Um, this movie had an $11 million budget, and at the time it released, it made $775 million at the box office. And when adjusted for inflation, it's now like, like I think, like the second most uh, successful movie of all time. 
It's kind of crazy. Wow. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was the first day. of its kind, really, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to special effects and all yeah. that. I mean, it came out in 77. I mean, when it, I remember when it, my dad described it when it first came out. I think he was 16, 17. And everybody was blown away by that movie. Like, there, that was pretty much like the first space movie, or at least good space movie for that time. So. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, you had to see it in a theater, basically. I mean, yeah. No, I'm sure it was amazing. It also released to um, extreme uh, critical praise. Originally, it only released in like select theaters, but then after it got so much praise, it went to a wide release. Um, but it was praised for the visuals, uh, launching a whole new world, the storytelling. Um, I guess at the time, the editing in this film was like groundbreaking, so it got praised for that. Um, and also the score by John Williams got a lot of praise. Um, but it did get criticized for the dialogue, which I think we can all agree is a very <laughs> fair criticism. <laughs> There's so many lines that I just laughed out loud at. Not because they were funny, just because how stupid they were. Yeah. I mean, I laughed at every single thing that Luke said because it sounded like a 14 year old. Um, and yeah, we'll get into some of the good ones later because I did not remember like how bad the dialogue is, but I was also laughing out loud unintentionally, but <laughs> we'll get to that. Okay. So I'll just, I'll run through the first act here and then we can kind of jump into our thoughts on it. Um, this movie opens with a world involved in the galactic civil war. We're introduced to Princess Leia, whose ship is under attack from Darth Vader. Um, you know, that scene's obviously iconic. She records and stores a message in a droid and also stores schematics for the Death Star that she's trying to get to Ben Kenobi, who's later revealed to be Obi-Wan. Um, R2 and C-3PO escape the ship where they fall uh, to the planet Tatooine and are eventually sold to a young Luke Skywalker and his uncle. Um, Luke finds the message on the droid and decides he needs to find uh, Ben Kenobi. He eventually runs into Obi after being attacked by some Tusken Raiders, and Obi-Wan reveals that he's a, a Jedi and that Luke's father was also a Jedi. Luke agrees to help Obi-Wan get some transport off-world. However, when they do return to his home, his aunt and uncle have been killed by stormtroopers. Well, not only have they been killed by stormtroopers, <laughs> they are, like, I mean, horrifying. I'm laughing, but it's like, it's horrifying. It's not just like he comes back in and you get that cliche scene where it's like, he comes home. The last the last time they talked, they had an argument, and they don't get to say goodbye. He comes back in. He sees his uncle Lang there with his last breaths. He tells him he loves him. We don't get that. We get Luke imme- just driving immediately back over here in his speeder, and he gets out, sees smoke everywhere, and then what does he see? Well, he sees <laughs> skeletons. <laughs> Bothering skeletons. Like, there's still smoke coming off their bodies. This was just horrifying. But Luke doesn't seem to care that much. Like, he does the kind of, like, revenge face where he looks down, and then he looks back up towards the camera, and he looks angry. But then, honestly, the second the scene is done, like, he doesn't care anymore. <laughs> He's just... They never talk about it again. And then even they even go further than that. Whenever Obi-Wan's like, you're going to have to sell your speeder. And he's like, that's fine. I'm never coming back here anyway. <laughs> it's like, he doesn't say it's sad. He says it, like, angsty. It's like... Oh, man, I guess he didn't love his skeleton uncle and aunt or whatever, but they seem pretty cool to me. <laughs> Whenever we started this, I you know, I wasn't super excited to return to these films because they are so old and I knew the special effects weren't going to hold up. But whenever you do get into that like opening scene um, of Darth Vader, boarding, Darth Vader boarding Leia's ship, it actually, except for the gun busters, it still actually looks really good, which is a credit to George Lucas because a lot of this stuff really does kind of hold up even through you know, watching it today. 
Yeah, well, that's something we need to talk about right now as well, probably before we get too far into this, is how did you guys watch this movie? Like, which version? I watched it on Disney+, Plus, so I guess it's the most recent edit that they've done. Did you guys watch it on Disney+, Plus, or where did you watch it? I watched it Disney+, Disney+ Plus, for yeah. me, too. Um, but these are the versions, I guess, the most recent edits, which, for people who don't know, George Lucas, for whatever reason, is just infamous at this point for, even though these movies have the reputation of being, like, the best trilogy ever, for a lot of people, at least like the best mainstream trilogy for a lot of people, he just insists on changing them over and over again. <laughs> so he inserts weird stuff. Obviously, we're going to have to talk about the weird Phantom Menace-esque special effects that are in this movie that weren't there originally. And like you said, that opening scene with Darth Vader and Leia like, and when he boards her ship, it looks awesome. Yeah, except for the gun blast, but everything looks so cool because it's practical. But, oh, my God, like, whenever they're driving into Mos Eisley and we see all these weird creatures, like, straight out of the Phantom Menace, it just looks awful. It looks so bad. I don't know why he insists on changing them. And, of course, don't you worry, we're going to be getting to the Han shot first stuff, which, in this version, is even weirder. But we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. When they enter the cantina, it looks like Comic-Con 1977. <laughs> like, all these... Yeah, it's weird, man. It's so weird. I don't know what they were thinking with putting all these special effects in here, but it kind of seems like George Lucas just is someone in the industry that people can't say no to. Like, even though all of his ideas post this trilogy are garbage, everyone's just like, sounds great, George, love it. Um, yeah, dude, the special effects that they added in this movie are so bad. What about when Obi-Wan saves Luke from the Tusken Raiders and he does that scream that sounds like a robot? What was that? What is that? I had, I had forgotten that it was Obi-Wan like doing that disguise. And when I heard that screen, I, I thought, oh, I don't remember C-3PO dressing up as a Tusken Raider to help Obi-Wan. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So, so weird, dude. But I guess, I guess as long as he thinks he's making the movies better, more power to him. But I think he may have uh, overstepped a little bit. One thing I did laugh about though was uh, Leia's accent. Whenever she's talking to Darth Vader, she had a slight British accent. And I was like, what? She didn't have that in the, in the Empire or Return of the Jedi. She was like, Darth Vader. Does she not have a British accent in the other ones? No. Oh. She but then later on, she has that like almost like Valley Girl accent too. Like her accent changes a lot in this film. Dude, there's so many terrible scenes in this. But yeah, her accent was weird because I didn't remember that either. And I was trying to think about like the sequel trilogy. And I haven't seen Empire Return of the Jedi in a while either. So I was like, does she do that? And so, yeah, it kind of slips in and out with the accent. So, But yeah, no, I, I do love the beginning of this film, though, with the, in the ship and then C-3PO yeah, awesome. and, and R2 going down on the uh, escape pod to Tatooine. And I like that whole sequence and of, of them getting stolen by the Jawas and then sold to Owen Lars and Luke being a little bitch about everything. It's like, I'm supposed to go to Taji Station and get the power converters. Yeah. Well, it's also funny, like thinking about like these scenes in the context of the prequels and stuff, because I feel like people always criticize Star Wars now for being such a like it's a galaxy far, far away. But it feels like a real small galaxy because like every character is connected. It's so weird that like they've always had to do the C-3PO and R2-D2 uh, like memory wipes because they've both been to Tatooine before. Also, Keith, do you know why Obi-Wan Kenobi doesn't recognize R2-D2? I know, that's so, I was thinking about that too. It's so weird. Yeah, it's There must be an explanation for that. I know there has to be, I'm not making fun of it. I just, I don't know what that explanation could be. I mean, R2-D2 is literally, well, it's funny because actually 
Anakin creates C-3PO, <laughs> apparently, on Tatooine in the prequels. He just makes him. And then in his little in his little hut. And then R2-D2 becomes like Anakin's go-to droid that he takes everywhere with him. He's the droid that's in his ship whenever they're going anywhere. Like He's like best friends with both these droids. And <laughs> Obi-Wan's reaction to seeing them is, hello. And he's like, no. And then like Luke is like, he says he wants to find his master, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then I think his line is, I didn't know I was a droid's master. Yeah. It's like, what? It's so weird. I don't know, man. I think if these would have been made after the prequels, it, he, they wouldn't have made Obi-Wan say that. I mean, he would have been, oh, hey, R2. He would have, he would have known who they are, definitely. But yeah, uh, And since, just don't make them close in the prequels. <laughs> like after exactly, that, it's yeah. so weird. I don't get yeah. it. There must be something yeah. I'm missing, but I don't know. It's also very weird how how easily obi-wan hands over that lightsaber to luke <laughs> like yeah that was weird it's also weird that obi-wan also doesn't care that <laughs> uncle owen and aunt Marie died. <laughs> i mean he literally he literally brought little baby luke to them like he brought them to this new family and charged himself with like watching over this boy to keep him safe and then like when they die he also doesn't care he's like all right come on luke let's go on an adventure He's like, okay, here's your dad's laser sword. Like, I forgot how rushed everything was on. In, they have a uh, lot whenever to set he up takes, in this film. Like, yeah, Every, everything was, especially when he's telling him about Anakin and his his father and his whole background. And then he's like, all right, this is your dad. He was murdered by Darth Vader. Da, 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 da. He goes goes on and on. And then he just hands him the lightsaber. All right, you need to come with me now. And that was all just so fast. And then. And then he goes back, of course, and finds his parents burnt. Yeah, I'm like, all right, well, let's go. Yeah, I'm fine with all of that. I just think it's weird that they end it with Obi-Wan telling him he has to come with him. Because, like, everything else was pretty cool. I like the, you know, as we know, the twist coming up in Empire, so it's not surprising. But I do like the initial setup that Darth Vader's the bad guy. We've already seen him in the movie at this point. But we know that, according to Obi-Wan, Darth Vader was a pupil of his that turned and then killed or killed. Um, Luke's dad. So it's a cool little setup um, that will obviously unravel later. But yeah, it is weird that he then just immediately gives him the lightsaber and then is like, says he needs to start, you know, practicing the force and all that right away. Well, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Why would the rebellion who's, you know, trying to do everything they can to stop the empire, why would they, why would they so badly want the help of this weird old man that sits in a dirt cave? Like he must have, he's, he's been in this cave for, he hasn't done anything. He's just been waiting in this cave for Luke to come find him. Well, I think it's because it goes back to the third movie. Whenever Senator Organa is who adopted, who adopted Leia and then took Leia to uh, Alderaan. So Senator Organa has a really close relationship with Obi-Wan. And so if I guess she, he must've told her if, Shit hits the fan. Contact this guy, Obi Wan. He'll know what to do. Dude, I can't stand Obi Wan in this film. I'm so glad Ewan McGregor <laughs> plays him better in the prequels because he's awful in this one. Yeah, I mean, Alec Guinness is obviously a legendary actor, and he's a good actor, of course. But and I don't think he's bad in this movie. I just think it's a, again you have to give it props because I do think that they kind of set the stage for a lot of movies going forward in terms of the mentor role. A lot of people just call it the Obi-Wan role. I mean, it's kind of become synonymous with mentor. So I like that aspect. And I always love mentor relationships with like, you know, students and whatever. And um, in like just any movies, I always think that can be a pretty cool relationship. But yeah, here it's like, 
again, I think it's just a dialogue problem. I think the dialogue's weird. And then combined with what you said, Keith, that it just feels so rushed. Like, again, I'm fine with the whole setting up what happened to his father, the lie he tells him, setting up Darth Vader as well in that sense. But then to just immediately like, let's go on an adventure. And then after that, where you're just now accepting them together or whatever, then he's also teaching him the force. And then it becomes rushed for Luke too. Like later whenever Han's like, what are you talking about, kid? He's like, you don't believe in the force? It's like, do you? Do you know what it is? Like, it's so weird. Like, <laughs> told me, like, five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, but yeah, so eventually, eventually we do get to uh, Mos Eisley, where we are introduced to Harrison Ford's Han Solo and his first mate Chewbacca, um, and uh, Obi Wan uh, agrees to pay Han Solo to take them to Alderaan. Uh, I forgot how much I really like that Mos Eisley Cantina music. It's so great every time I hear it. No, I love it. Battlefront as well. Sorry, I always heard it over yeah. and over again. So I like that song. It's catchy. It's fun. This is a cool scene. You know, it's a cool way to set up Han Solo, obviously. Um, and just, yeah, cool environment they set up that it's kind of really seedy. And this is where the scum operate. And they do a good job of showing that. Do you guys want to get into the who shot first? In the original cut, in the original version, whenever it's clear that Greedo is like not going to accept Han's late payment, He's, a, he's probably going to shoot him. But then Han, just as we see him reaching for his gun, he just shoots him. Like, Greedo didn't pull out his gun on him. Greedo didn't try and shoot. Han just shoots him. And it's cool because it sets up that this guy, while, like, seemingly laid back, does bad stuff. Like, he just killed that guy in cold blood for essentially just asking him for money. Obviously, he's a gangster. But, I mean, from Han's perspective, he just kind of kills this guy in cold blood, but we still over the course of the movie kind of grow to love him. So it's a cool way to do that. And again, it's one of those weird changes. I don't know what George Lucas was thinking. Was he, was he like after the fact, like people can't love this character because he's a cold blooded murderer. So I have to make it work. So with really bad special effects, they did the whole, that's where the Han shot first thing. They had Greedo with special effects, his gun come up and just shoot off a blast. And then Han's face, so special effects, moves to the side, the bullet misses, and then Han shoots. So that started a whole new thing. And in this version, it's different again. So in this version, they're doing the back and forth. Greedo has subtitles, okay, which is important so we know what's happening. But then, I don't know what happens. Shit's about to hit the fan. And then Greedo, without a subtitle, just says McClunky. I don't know what that means. And then they shoot at the same time. Han's head still does that weird CGI move to the side. But it's like George Lucas is like, he's trying to appease the fans, but he's only going to give them an inch at a time. So he's like, okay, fine. Han won't shoot first. They'll shoot at the exact same time. It's so weird. I don't know what McClunky means either. Again, they had literal subtitles for Greedo the entire time. And then he says one word that is not subtitled. McClunky. <laughs> and they shoot at each other. So weird, man. I'm, I'm guessing it meant like draw or something like that. Just like the old West. Draw, like you pull your weapon, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. They could have put a subtitle. I mean, I don't think McClunky is a real word. <laughs> but it just made it up. Just put a subtitle there. I don't know. Weird. I think it's a cool way to be introduced to Han Solo. Um, obviously, you know, he becomes this iconic, huge character for the rest of the franchise. So, I mean, he has the best intro in the movie, without a doubt. I mean, not <laughs> talking shit, but I mean, Obi-Wan's is literally him doing this weird cyborg yell. Um, Luke's is just him bitching. And then Leia, while badass, that she's like such like a, I mean, 
not no pun intended, but that she is a badass. But at the same time, it's like, what accent is she doing? <laughs> then, at least with Han Solo, even though you get the really bad CGI stuff, at least it's a cool scene in a vacuum, I guess. Yeah. Um, so eventually, you know, Han does agree to uh, take them to Alderaan. But before they can leave, he has to go meet with Jabba. And you'll find <laughs> out he's in debt to Jabba. Um, for this movie being as old as it is, I was actually surprised by how good Jabba Hutt looks. Well, you should not be surprised <laughs> because that was added in with CGI in like 1997. Because um, this scene didn't exist, right, Keith? Obviously, Jabba the Hutt is a character that exists in this world. They mention him. But I don't think we see him until Return of the Jedi, right? Originally? No, I think we see him in the older version, but he does not look like he does does in this version. Like okay. It was almost like puppet version, like Yoda is in the in these older ones. Gotcha, gotcha. It, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know this the, was added in. Yeah, that's why. I guess that's why it looks so good. Well, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think it looks terrible, but it, I guess it looks good by like 1997 or whenever they added in standards. But then they yeah. also just add in Boba. Boba Fett just walks into the screen, <laughs> like he's just standing. Yeah. And then there's like two of Greedo's people behind them that look exactly yeah. like Greedo. Um, yeah, just a weird scene. And then they added... Well, you can tell it's CG because Han is talking to him. But whenever he points at him, his finger isn't quite pointing the right direction. <laughs> He's like kind of pointing off screen a little bit, like like past Jabba. Um, and then he steps behind him. And this scene is baffling to me. He literally steps behind him. And then Jabba just goes... Ugh! And I think we're supposed to think that Han stepped on his tail... And then walked to the other side of him. And Jabba doesn't do anything. This guy's the worst gangster. He's just like, Han, you're the best. I love you, man. Han's like, give me give me an extension. He's like, perfect. I'm going to need 20% though. Han's like, Han, who's like an employee of this guy's like, 15 Jabba. Don't push it. He's like, okay, 15. And, this guy sucks. And he also just just killed one of Jabba's goons. Yeah. They just <laughs> that was just doing his job. <laughs> so weird. I hate this scene. That was a fat piece of shit. Okay, so when the when the Millennium leaves, uh, when the Millennium Falcon leaves Tatooine, um, that's when the, we kind of get into the second act. Um, so while they're on their way, or I guess kind of before they get there, uh, the Empire is trying to force Leia to give up the location of the Rebel base. And they decide the best way to do that is to show off the power of the Death Star by blowing up our home world. Yeah, that shows the wrath of uh, Tarkin, for sure. Yeah, Tarkin's pretty badass. I feel like his dialogue was always good. I feel like he was always menacing. So I, get, I think he gets like one of the best edits in this movie. I had, I had forgotten that kind of the first time we really see the Force used in this world is when Vader chokes one of his generals. Yeah. Disagreeing with but again, also showing how badass Tarkin is. Tarkin tells Vader to stop, and Vader kind of, he's not like a, like a you know, he's not like impish about it. He's just like, fine, basically. So like, Vader listens to Tarkin when he didn't, I mean, he doesn't have to. He could just, I mean, run this whole place if he wanted to, like take it by force. But yeah, it's kind of cool that there is this, interesting respect between vader and tarkin um and yeah tarkin in this scene this is kind of his big scene um asking where the rebel base is she gives it up says dantooine and then blows up the entire planet anyway um pretty i mean <laughs> pretty intense obviously it really quick quickly sets up how villainous these people are and also importantly 
shows us that the Death Star isn't just like a base. It's not just like their hideout. It's also this planet killing weapon, which is insane. So definitely gives us some good stakes here. Yeah, and a really great way to establish how far the Empire is willing to go mm-hmm. to quash the rebellion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like literally she gave him, and they find out later that she lied about the information, but either way, they didn't know that at the time because Tarkin is surprised later when he finds out that she lied. But so he, at that moment, he thinks she's telling the truth, but still to hurt her, he's willing to kill, as Obi-Wan says, at millions, because he says millions of voices have disappeared or whatever. So he just m- murders millions of people in an instant. Um, so yeah, the Empire certainly doesn't have issues with going far to win. So uh, while this is going on, the Millennium Falcon is in light speed and uh, Luke's doing a little bit of Jedi training. But then at the same time, it's complaining to Han about the ship not going fast enough. <laughs> Come on, just, can this thing go any faster? And then Han's like, shut up, this ain't Dustin Crops, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I also like this scene, too, because Han literally walks in and he goes, we're going to be at Alderaan in 0200 hours. And then the scene ends like a minute later. And he's like, I guess we're here. It's like, I get you moving, moving at light speed. So obviously, you know, you're going to get places quick. But then why do we even walk down here to like, you know, lounge around and hang out? It's like, it took them a minute to get there. And then this is also the scene, oh my God, we mentioned earlier, where Luke apparently just is best friends with Ben already. And he's also like the number one fan of the force, even though he doesn't know what it is. Like, <laughs> you don't believe in the force, Han? Are you serious? <laughs> it's like so weird. And then just learned about the force 45 minutes before he got on this ship. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, we do get some cool lines between Obi-Wan and uh, Luke, though, you know, Obi-Wan. Whenever loop is able to while blinded you know block all the blasts from the training droid we do get obi-wan saying you know these are your first steps into like a bigger world or whatever he says which obviously is a line echoed in the sequel trilogy with ray and stuff like that so there's some cool connecting tissue here um but again i think the the thing that ruins it is the (laughs) loop's belief in the force apparently well uh yeah so the this is my favorite scene i think when the millennium falcon like arrives in the debris of alderaan and um, that kind of lone uh, TIE fighter shows up and they, they can't understand how the TIE fighter like this far out in space. And then they see what they think is a moon. But as they get closer, they realize it's the Death Star. I think that scene is really like it's just it establishes how imposing the Death Star really is. And um, I think it's really well done in this film. Yeah, I like it, too. I like that uh, Han is at first cocky and he's like, nah, it's just a moon. And then as they get closer, Obi-Wan's like, we should turn back. And then even Han's like, yeah, I think you're right. This is scary. Uh, I thought that was kind of a cool, like quick character turn showing that he's not how, completely. How does the Millennium Falcon get captured? Does it get stuck in the Death Star's orbit or did the, does the Death Star itself pull it in? It's the Death Star pulls it in. That's uh, I can't remember what it's called. The tractor beam. Yeah. The tractor beam. Yeah. 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 Which it's I didn't remember, but I mean, that's essentially that becomes Obi-Wan's entire basically mission the rest of the movie yeah, to turn it. off the tractor beam yeah right yeah exactly which he does so um so eventually yeah they do sneak up after their ship gets captured they're able to kind of sneak aboard and uh luke eventually realizes that leia is being held captive on the death star and so luke uh han and chewie uh agree to split up from obi-wan and they go try to save leia well yeah but of course right as they split up we get the iconic line from obi-wan may the force be with you and Luke's like, 
dude, it's been with me my entire life. I'm the biggest fan of the force. I love it. What are you talking about? <laughs> Obi-Wan's like, okay, man. This is kind of where the film, I guess, starts to pick up. I, I do think the second half of this movie is at least a little bit more interesting than the first. I, yeah, I like the whole Death Star sequence of them going through all the hallways and, and all the, the gunfights with the stormtroopers. I thought that was really cool. It also is kind of weird, though, that the most dangerous thing in this film is a trash compactor. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I guess the Death Star planet-killing weapon is a bit uh, more in- intimidating. But the biggest the biggest threat to our heroes is the trash compactor. And did that monster live there already? Or did they just throw it down the chute at some point? I'm guessing they How threw it down. How big was that thing? <laughs> An anaconda oh, yeah, with one eye. How how deep is the water in this trash chute? Because Luke is oh, drowning, yeah. but the water's only up to Han's ankles. <laughs> I don't know, man. Who cares? No one's paying attention to that. All we all we pay attention to is Mark Hamill just screaming three PO over and over. Three PO, three PO, over and over. I forgot how many times he said it. Not so not not a great scene for old Mark. But uh, <laughs> anyway. Art is the most important character in this movie. He does so much. He's so much more competent than any of this crew is. Yeah, he's the best. He's always been the best. He always <laughs> knows what to do. And meanwhile, C-3PO is like off being like the most annoying person in the world. C-3PO <laughs> almost left R2-D2 to like live with the Jawas. Do you remember that scene? Like whenever yeah. C-3PO gets sold, he literally, R2 makes like his, you know, his classic sound. 3PO turns around, stares at him, and then turns back around and walks off. Only when the other R2 droid like malfunctions at that exact moment is 3PO like, okay, you know, I guess you could get that other R2 droid. Like, this guy sucks. He doesn't do anything. I hate him. I honestly <laughs> wish that we could have gotten him in the compactor. And like, maybe they would have never Leia's like, you know, you know, what's the word? Like, brace the walls with something. I wish they would have braced the walls with 3PO's body and that they all would have escaped while he got crushed. I don't want to see this guy again. I have bad I have bad news, but you get to spend eight more movies with him. Yeah, and he's in some of the side ones too. <laughs> so he's awful. I hate him. Um, okay, so eventually they do get out of the trash compactor, and we get this really weird scene where they're heading back. The Luke, Han, and Leia are heading back to the Millennium Falcon, and they take the wrong turn, and they stumble on a squad of like sixteen stormtroopers. And instead of all the stormtroopers, you know, opening fire and you know killing them, and therefore succeeding in their mission. Han runs at them and all this entire garrison of soldiers just decides to turn and run away from this one little guy. Yeah. Yeah. The stormtroopers have a lot of weird moments like of incompetence. That's kind of their <laughs> like, thing what are they doing throughout the entire franchise is that they're just incompetent. But yeah, it seems like here maybe a bit too much. That was a weird scene. <laughs> like and he chases them in through that hallway and then it and then it opens up into the big room and there's like hundreds of them. Just like they're all standing there in formation. They all just kind of look to the side, like, oh, what's going on over there? But they don't move at all. And then he just <laughs> then he just oh, he starts screaming again, then he runs back their opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get that scene where Luke and Leia have to swing across the gap. And it like takes them a really long time to shoot like that one stormtrooper up in the doorway. I remember this scene being different. Like I didn't remember him like literally reaching into his like Tatooine clothing, like his pouch or whatever, and like pulling out a grappling hook. Like I remember them shooting the gun that like might have had like a grappling hook attachment or something. But he literally just like reaches into his ass, pulls out an entire grappling hook, swings it like once, and manages to get it around like the perfect little thing to swing across. This is a, this is a weird scene. And then also that grappling hook cable 
looks like a piece of twine. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's no way. It didn't look very sturdy. Well, that's why Leia kissed him because she was like, this is the last guy I'm ever going to kiss. Like, I guess <laughs> praise to him for trying, but we're about to die. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, eventually they do make it back to the hangar where uh, they see Darth Vader and Obi-Wan start their fight. And like we said, kind of said, a lot of things do still look, I guess, okay or good for when this movie was made. But this fight looks awful. Yeah. <laughs> this fight looks so bad. It doesn't look so good anymore um, for a couple of reasons. Like, I mean, one of the big ones, again, kind of t- when we talked about the weird timeline thing with Obi-Wan not recognizing R2, which, again, I need to look up why that is because there must be an, a reason. But um, here, it's one of those things like we know how the characters moved in the prequels, like how choreographed those fights were. And here, it's like I get that they're older, but it does still seem like too slow. And I know that, you know, a lot of the Star Wars stuff was based on old samurai stories. So I think they are kind of going for that, like kind of how they're both holding a lightsaber with two hands kind of holding it forward instead of like up and just swinging like all the times, like they're only trying to go for killing blow. I don't know how it works, but um, so I get that. But in terms of enjoying watching it now, it's kind of gone that enjoyment because I think like the lightsaber fight but against Darth Maul and the Phantom Menace is one of the best in the series. And even the ones in the sequel trilogy are way better. So it does stand out as being weird. Um, at the very least, we get some really cool dialogue between these characters. Like I do love whenever Obi-Wan has turned off the tractor beam and then he's kind of walking down the hallway and we just see Darth Vader there. And I believe this is the first time we see the red lightsaber and he's just standing there. It's awesome. I think it's so cool. And then he walks up and th- this is the first time that they've seen each other since like in person since you know their fight on mustafar and revenge of the sith and i love the line from darth vader like you know when i left you i was but the student and now i am the master it's like oh, dude that's awesome it's so cool yeah um, darth darth vader's dialogue in this movie is great i don't think he has any bad lines well you see i do think he has bad lines but james earl jones just has the best voice of all time so i think even when he does have stupid lines it just it's still so awesome. <laughs> like he kind of transcends a lot of the bad dialogue here. I feel like, um, yeah. So at least we have that amazing exchange before they fight. The actual fight is dumb, and then even dumber is whenever Luke runs into the room and sees him. He goes Ben, <laughs> just runs over and just stands. <laughs> he stands there, not behind cover, just standing in the open. So like shockingly, enough, he's got like a weird like smile on his face too, where he's yeah. like, it's so good to see you, Ben. <laughs> well, Ben, whenever it, Ben, well, we'll get into that in a second. Whenever he quote unquote dies and he just screams, no, it's so, it's so funny to then the stormtroopers turn around and he again, doesn't get hit. He's just standing there. And then he finally starts shooting. So whatever. But yeah, the death scene with Obi-Wan, he's like, if you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you can ever imagine. And then I love that line, but it looks awful. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of just weirdly shot, I feel like, because he sees Luke, like while he's I think he's like holding a block and he like looks over and sees Luke. And then he just stops and there's like a weird pause, which I didn't remember this there's there's like a pause there. And then he does the lightsaber pulling it up like in front of him, and then Darth Vader swipes at him and he disappears. So it's just kind of like a weird pacing thing, <laughs> but yeah, it's odd, you definitely can tell. You definitely can tell, though, that somebody was just holding his cape up and they just dropped it as he swung the saber. Yeah, like for the special yeah. effects. Yeah, I mean, 
But that's not that's just the time it was made. Though. I do also like how Darth Vader, like after the the uh, cloak is on the floor, he like sticks out his foot and it. like taps on it, <laughs> like he's like trying to make sure that he might not secretly still be under there. It's like so weird. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, after that, at least Obi Wan got the tractor beam down, so then they're able to escape from that point. Yeah, so they eventually take off in the Falcon and. Uh, the culmination of Act Two kind of ends in this uh, space battle uh, as they're trying to escape, and we get this like a very giddy Luke. <laughs> He's on the Gatling gun of the, the Millennium. I got Falcon. one. I do like that. I like that scene. That's like the one time I you do oh. one time I do like the giddy like Mark Hamill performance, and then it's even better because Han has like another great line back at him where he's telling him not to get cocky. Love yeah. that. I thought that was, I, I love that exchange. It's the literally I think the only time I like Giddy Luke. I find it so <laughs> weird. And thank God, I mean, future spoilers, I guess. But unless I unless I'm just completely misremembering it, but Luke isn't like this in the next two movies. I'm pretty sure. I'm hoping if he is, I, I don't know if I can get through it. I know definitely Return of the Jedi is <laughs> not. But if he's like this in Empire, I don't nah, know. He's not. Okay. <laughs> At least not as much. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Uh, okay, so then, so then we do get into Act Three, um, which the is Millennium Falcon, like ten minutes. <laughs> this entire Act Three, yeah, it's like very short, <laughs> very bizarre. I did not remember it being that quick. But they they do make it to the base on Yavin Four. Mm-hmm. However, we do find out that the uh, the Empire let them go so they could track their ship, mm-hmm. um, and the Empire the Rebels eventually decipher the plans and they come up with this, uh, or they decipher the schematics and they come up with this plan to destroy the Death Star. And they begin to launch their attack. Um, Han uh, takes his payment and leaves, even though Luke like weirdly begs his new best friend to stay, even though they haven't liked each other the whole movie. <laughs> I mean, it's a cool exchange, I guess, from the perspective that Han only cares about the payment. And he's just, you know, he's a smuggler. That's all he cares about. Um, and I do like that. It seems like he's just going to leave. But then it's weird because Luke is so hurt. Um, but then even weirder that then Han is like, Luke! May the force be with you. And then Luke just looks like he just smelled the worst thing he's ever smelled. (laughs) He doesn't even even kind of smile or like say anything. He just has the biggest scowl on his face and then just walks away. So another kind of scene. I guess he thought Han was being sarcastic when he said that maybe. Maybe. Oh. Force, but. But maybe that, I hope he was being sarcastic. No, I, I don't think, think he so. was, but maybe Luke thought that. I, guess I, mean, that yeah, I think Luke interpreted it that way, but I don't think Han wasn't being sarcastic, though. Oh, okay. I think I would have liked it more if Han was being sarcastic. <laughs> hey, Luke, may the force be with you, little bitch. And <laughs> <laughs> it's okay that that scene was a little bit weird for us because, you know, you know what they say. When one door closes, another one opens. When one f- best friend named Han Solo leaves you, you get another best friend. And that best friend, baby, is Biggs. The 59-year-old man that has been Luke's best friend since, I don't know, like, maybe <laughs> since Luke was a little baby, like, this guy, like, was, like, the 35-year-old, like, sand gardener that, like, just, like, pushed sand around outside their house or something. Dude, this guy's old. <laughs> he has, like, a porn stash. Like, <laughs> like this guy, I mean, when you... 
the weird thing is when you pair these guys as friends, if like Harrison Ford had played Luke Skywalker, it would look totally normal. Mark Hamill looks like a child. <laughs> so to see this grown man like, hey, buddy, how are you? You made it. It's, like, it's just so. When did he, when did Luke find time to learn how to fly too? He was going to the academy or at least he was about to go to the academy to become a pilot. That's how he yeah to learn to learn how to fly a ship. Not, he's not going there as an expert fighter pilot. Well, he flew. There's a little bit of background where he he flew uh, certain kinds of ships through on Tatooine. Like if if you call, he has one like one callback to like when they're going through the Death Star there with Biggs, and he's like, "I can do it. It's just like Beggar's Canyon." <laughs> and it's because he used to fly all through the canyons there in Tatooine. Yeah, at least with at least with Anakin, they give us the badass pod race. So whenever later in the movie, I know people make fun of that whenever Anakin starts flying in Phantom Menace and like ends up destroying uh, the Separatist stuff. But it's kind of cool because we know he's just a kid, but a badass pilot. Whereas you're right. Luke's only ex- like background is remember Beggar's Canyon, old man things. And he's like, ah, yeah, Luke. And then like, he like kind of rubs his hands. Cause like he has arthritis. So, uh, <laughs> so it is what it is. Man. Um, so the rebels do start their attack on the Death Star just as the Death Star is powering up to destroy Yavin 4. So now we start a race against time to see who's going to destroy the Death Star or is Yavin 4 going to get blown up. It's a, a good intro into the rogue team. That's for sure. You get to meet all the classic rogue guys and uh, you meet Wedge. Remember Wedge, Wedge uh, and TAs? And TAs? I like, you, I like how you knew how to say it. <laughs> but you said it's so weird the first time. MTAs. <laughs> and Wedge is, at least at the beginning of the movie, he's, I guess, I don't know if owner. I don't know. I don't know any of these names. Yeah. So good job on Yuki because yeah. I don't know up, any of these names. that Wedge is like, I guess, the owner or whatever of C3PO and R2. So I guess they're just calling back. I don't know. You could tell me that Wedge is a is a Death Star general, and I believe you. So, <laughs> but unfortunately, Keith, we're not getting any more Bigs, are we? No, Bigs sadly passes on. I mean, talk about <laughs> sad. I mean, think about it from Luke's perspective. He just lost his best. He lost three best friends today. He lost Ben Kenobi, his best friend in the entire world, like the guy that taught him the Force that changed his life in the course of. Gave him one training lesson. Yeah, cha- I mean, he, he trained like changes life for the course of ten minutes. Um, also, speaking of that, people give Ray shit in the sequel trilogy for like being a Mary Sue who like is already a badass and knows how to do everything. Luke blocked three <laughs> lasers from a training droid. <laughs> That's what that was his training, and he's like after failing <laughs> twice. Yeah, he, he sucks. He's literally the worst. Um, so he lost that best friend. And then he loses his other best friend, Han Solo, whenever he decides to leave him and not, like, help in the fight. And then, can you believe it? He loses, like, honestly, his biggest best friend. His Biggs-esque best friend, you might say. The character of Biggs, who's been his best friend since, I guess, the last, however old Luke is, 18. They've been best friends for the last 18 years, whenever Biggs was 33. Um, Honestly, it's tragic. I'll never forget it. And they've been best friends since uh, Big was 33 and Padme was pregnant with Luke. <laughs> yeah. Well, Biggs was actually Padme's best friend from whenever they were kids. That's, that's kind of how they <laughs> came into each other's lives. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So the first attempt to destroy the Death Star fails, leaving only Luke and the Force yes. to destroy the Death Star. 
And eventually Vader pulls up. And just when you think Vader's going to destroy Luke and knock him off his course, who should appear but Luke's real best friend, Han Solo. Yeah! He's back, baby! <laughs> <laughs> we also get the badass Darth Vader line, I have you now. Love it. Yeah. Um, Han Solo's back. It's awesome. Uh, but yeah, I got, I got tired of like the 12 voiceover of <laughs> Obi-Wan going, may the force be with you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just waiting it constantly in the last 20 minutes of the movie. Run, Luke, run. run. <laughs> yeah, that one too. I forgot about that one. That one's pretty silly. <laughs> he's standing there looking during the headlights. Uh, run, Luke, run. <laughs> Why did he have to turn off his targeting system to use the force? Well, he had to, well, because he turned off his targeting system earlier, his eyes... And that allowed him to block those three laser blasts. Remember? He's not trying to block anything. Well, that was how he used the force earlier. That's how he became such a big fan. That's whenever he knew it was real. And it was his favorite thing in the world. Honestly, you could probably argue the force is Luke's fourth best friend. Um, and we get to see it in action here. He turns off his targeting system so that he can be one with the force. He doesn't need his senses. And he just nails it. He nails it, guys. Good for him. Alrighty. Well, yes, the Death Star does blow up, and then uh, Darth Vader escapes, and we kind of get this like weird, like Medal of Honor celebration back on Yavin. We do. I do want to say though, really badass scene right before Luke blows it up. I love that. Like, they cut to him, and he shoots, and then you see like the torpedoes or whatever go into where they need to go. And then, but like you would expect in like any other movie, that that's when the explosion happens. But they actually did something really cool that I loved. Is they cut inside the Death Star, and it shows like one just person working there, like hitting a button, like just doing something like a daily thing or whatever. And then it cuts to Tarkin, who's not even looking at the screen. He's like just looking off, like like looking at something. Like they have no idea what's about to happen. And then they just explode. It's really cool because it's kind of like what they did to Alderaan. I mean, in an instant, they destroyed a planet. And like it kind of shows that they're just going about their trying to live. They're just going about their thing. And then they just explode. It's pretty cool. Well, this movie was uh, was praised for its editing. The editing was considered groundbreaking at the time. Well, there you so go. Sounds like that worked for you. Good job. Yeah. Wow. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, any, any thoughts on this weird award ceremony? I do have some thoughts on it because <laughs> <sighs> this is the best part of the movie. This is what I was referencing earlier. This was the part that made me laugh so hard that I had to rewind to make sure that like I actually <laughs> heard what happened. So here's what happens. <clears throat> Luke comes back to base. He's the hero. He's the one that destroyed the Death Star. He's getting all this like, good job, Luke. Everybody's there waiting for him. It's great. He's climbing out. He's all dirty. He's all sweaty. It's exciting. Um, and then I can't remember the order of things. I think Leia comes over first and they hug and like, it's like, cool, we did it. Great. And then here's where things start to get weird. <laughs> Han runs over. Great. You see him in the background running. It's like, oh, this is it. A friend. They're back together. They're back. And they like embrace, but they kind of miss each other a little bit. So, like, it's kind of like they both don't know that they're going to hug, like, the actors that I don't know. So they kind of, like, half hug, but they miss each other a little bit. <laughs> then Luke. Oh, my God. Mark Hamill, of course. With the, I think Han says, like, you did it, kid. And then Luke's like, I hoped you'd come back. I knew you would. <laughs> and that's how he says it, too. He's like, I knew you'd come back. And then <laughs> Leia, who's just standing there, completely drops her accent. And just goes, 
I knew he cared more about money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The weirdest back and forth, dude. I was laughing just like I was in Batman v Superman. Like, they call you Wally, right? You're the boss, boss. <laughs> it was like that. He's like, I knew you'd come back. I knew he cared more about money. <laughs> And then they just immediately walk down this aisle, get their medals. Han gets a medal for literally just showing up the last minute and shooting one fighter. Like, that's what he's getting equal praise for is Luke. And for for basically telling Leia she's a bitch the whole movie. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's getting the exact same, like, award, basically, that Luke is. He destroyed the Death Star. Han showed up and shot one guy. They're getting the same praise. But Han deserves it, honestly, because he cares more about just money, apparently. Um, well, and he had to put up. He had to put up with that whiny little brat, Luke Skywalker. For the actually, you know what? You're right. He did deserve a medal. He had to put up with Luke's weird voice and whining the entire time. Oh man, dude! But <laughs> the actual award ceremony, fine scene, <laughs> and the movie ends. Alrighty. Well, that does conclude the film. Um, what do you guys think, though? After after a recent villain, does this film hold up? Interesting question. I think here's the deal. We're giving, we're laughing about this movie. We're giving it shit. Is it a good movie? Of course it is. It's really well structured. It's really well paced. I mean, the structure is iconic. It inspired so many other movies and stories. Um, and I mean, it's just such an important template. It was groundbreaking. All the special effects were. I mean, so it, it's a cool movie to go back and watch because you know the pedigree behind it. But if you're asking, like, if you're asking me if it's good, of course it's good. If you're asking me, does it hold up? I don't know. I think it's just one of those things where we've seen so many movies in the last 40 plus years that just like have taken that formula and done more interesting, like more exciting things with it. Uh, But I would never take away from the groundbreaking nature of it, the iconic characters or anything like that. So I enjoyed watching it, but there was things we could obviously poke fun at, like because of their, the the time it was made basically. So kind of Mm -hmm. fun all around to watch. Yeah, I really don't have too much to add to that. I, I have to agree with, yeah, I watched it as if I was in 1977. I, I think that's how you have to watch this movie because, like you said, the special effects were, that's what they were for that time. So was, for that time, it was, that was fucking awesome for that time. Everybody was blown away by that. But if you compare it to like a Star Trek movie or an Avengers movie now, and you compare like that CGI to their special effects, it, it looks like shit. So I guess in that regard, it doesn't hold up. But if you watch it like it, you're a night. Yeah. I mean, this it's classic Star Wars. I can't I have nothing to complain on there. Speaking of like holding up, though, I mean, as weird as and crazy as it sounds, I really do genuinely feel like George Lucas made the movie hold up less with all the changes he's put in since then. Like putting in the weird Obi-Wan yell, putting in the weird CGI Phantom Menace looking creatures um like the mos eisley scene where it just like as they drive in you can see that it's completely green screen it's kind of it looks how it looks how like coruscant like all the planets look in the prequels and like all these changes because whenever i see that now like we talked about like, the opening scene on the ship uh whenever they darth vader comes aboard like you can look at that and be like this looks old like this looks like it was filmed a long time ago but it still looks good because it's practical it's real sets and stuff like that but whenever they cut to that other green screen CGI stuff, it just doesn't belong here because this movie was made in the 70s and you're putting in like shitty CG from the late 90s. So I, I genuinely feel like 
he's made the movie hold up less, like made it worse to watch, like legitimately. So I guess we have to thank George Lucas for giving us Star Wars, but also ruining it time and time again. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, for me, is this film important? Yeah, it's very important. It inspires so much stuff. Um, it kind of really kicks off science fiction as we know it today. Um, I don't know if I think this is a good movie, though. I think I think this movie is good because it's made in 1977. I think that's why it's good. I mean, that being said, I mean to that point, I don't know how you guys feel, but I know, I know how I feel. I like Empire and Return of the Jedi way more than this one. I always have. So I think those are better movies, and we'll talk about those, you know, in the coming weeks. So, what's your favorite Star Wars film, Keith? Empire Strikes Back, for sure. Nice. My favorite's Rogue One. So cool. Maybe we'll get to that. That'd be good yeah. to talk about. Well, everybody, thank you so much uh, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy this, uh, please make sure to rate our show and subscribe to our channel. Um, if you didn't enjoy it, still leave us a comment and tell us you hated it. Um, let us know what your favorite Star Wars movie is. Um, the Arnie's.media is the website, and at the Arnie's is, so, is the social. We'll be back next week with a little episode on washed up child actors. So be on the lookout for that. And we'll be back. We're coming back next week. We're coming back next week. I knew we'd come back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then we'll be back in two weeks with a continuation of our Star Wars series. So be on the lookout for that too. All righty. Talk to you guys next week. 3PO. 3PO.